Amen. Well, we are in our FAQ series, looking at our frequently asked questions, frequently argued questions, frequently avoided questions. And uh, today is part three, uh, and this is probably one of the most divisive topics in the church world, certainly in our generation. We're going to be talking about the, the Holy Spirit today. Who is the Holy Spirit, and specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, uh, some things where you may have been raised in a church where even talking about those things was kind of taboo, uh, or you may have been raised in a church where, man, that was all the church was about. And so we're going to talk about who are we, what do we believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and answering quite a few questions that have been sent in. I do want to tell you this before we move on. Next week in part four, we're going to be answering questions about homosexuality. Um, we've had some questions uh, talk about controversial topics, talk about things that uh, are, are very hot-button issues in our culture right now. Uh, so next week, we'll be answering questions about homosexuality. So throughout the day today, just as every other week, you can text in any question you may have about this topic or any other to 662-404-2489. Once again, that's 662-404-2489. That number will be uh, on the bottom left of your screen uh, throughout our message today. Uh, but I do want to say this, um, we may or may not answer a question that's texted in today at the end of service. We're, we're kind of leaving today a little bit more open and a little less structured to see exactly where God wants to go with it. So I don't want to promise you that I'll answer a question today, uh, but I will say this, if we have questions that are texted in uh, on this topic that we don't have time to get to, we're going to make sure and respond to those via text. Uh, so if you do have a question on the Holy Spirit, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, any of that, we're going to make sure that those questions get answered, whether or not they get answered in service today. So all that being said, buckle up. Let's get ready. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today. Uh, so hopefully you brought your Bible and you're ready to turn and see what God's word has to say. So the first question, oh, actually, before we do, I almost forgot our, our basis for all the questions that we, we receive on, on, on any topic. We want our, our desire is this where God's word speaks clearly. We're going to speak clearly. Uh, so today we're going to see a lot of what I believe is clear answers from scripture, uh, where God's word gives us a principle. We're going to seek to apply that principle. And then where God's word is silent, we're going to give our opinion. Uh, so I will tell you when I'm giving you my opinion, uh, and otherwise, hopefully we will be able to see what the word of God has to say. And, and I know one of the, my favorite things about city church is that we are a messed up motley crew of church backgrounds. Like we, we've got all kinds of random denominational backgrounds and church backgrounds in this church family. And I think that's awesome. So I know when I come to this topic that there are people in this room that, that are going to see this one way and other people in this room that are going to see it the total opposite way. Um, and, and again, you don't have to agree with everything that I say. Um, you don't have to agree with every doctrine that we have at our church. Um, I, I would say this. Be open to what God's word has to say. We're going to do our best to, to turn to the word of God to discover what his word specifically says uh, in answer to these questions. And so if this is uh, different, and, and here's where I know usually I'm doing something right, because I'm probably going to offend people on both sides of the argument. Uh, so usually I think that's about the right place to be. If there's people over here that hate me and people over here that hate me, I'm probably somewhere close to, to the, the right answer. And that's probably what will happen today. If you grew up Pentecostal or charismatic, you may not agree with everything I say today. And if you grew up Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or, or Catholic, you may not agree with everything I have to say either. So all that being said, we want to see what God's word says uh, and do our best to, to plow through these questions. So first question is, is, what is the evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism? What is the evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism? And so uh, to, to answer this question, first of all, we need to really go to scripture. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Some of you are, are very familiar with that term. Some of you maybe not so familiar with it. Um, what does the Bible have to say about this? So let, let me do this. In John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, Jesus has died. He's risen again, and he appears to his disciples. As he appears to his disciples, there's this, this crazy cool moment, one of my favorite moments in Scripture. Uh, and it says that Jesus uh, said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. What, what a powerful statement. The same way that God the Father sent Jesus to the world, now he says, I'm sending you my followers, my disciples, those who come after me. I'm sending you to the world in the same way. That, that, that's just a loaded statement right there. 
you're sent the same way that Jesus was sent. Now, obviously, you're not God, but, but you've got the, the same purpose, the same responsibility to carry the message of Jesus to the world. Pretty powerful thing, but he doesn't leave them there. He says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, now to understand what's going on here theologically, uh, up until this point in time, there was no salvation as we know salvation as New Testament believers. Um, all the Old Testament believers, they, they are in heaven today, uh, but the process was different. They did not have the Holy Spirit living in them uh, as a mark, as a seal of their salvation. That They actually, the Bible says there's this place called paradise where they were waiting for, for the, the sacrifice of Jesus to cover their sins so that they could be brought into heaven. Uh, and so this is the first moment in time where anybody receives salvation the way that we receive salvation. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And we know through, through many of the epistles in the New Testament from Ephesians and others that the Holy Spirit is the mark of our salvation. In other words, if you are a Christian in this room today, you have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Uh, what, what I love about this in, in, in so many different ways, but one of my favorite things is when God created Adam, he, he takes some dust and he forms the dust into a man. And, and what did he do? He breathed on him, right? So God's breath brought physical life at the very beginning. And now in John chapter 20, we've got eternal life given. And how does eternal life come? Eternal life comes from the breath of God. God's breath in scripture always symbolizes life. And so Jesus breathes on them and they receive eternal life. If you're a Christian in this room today, the Holy Spirit lives in you and you have eternal life. That's the guarantee of your salvation. So this happens after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, before he has ascended into heaven. But then if we turn to Acts chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 1 is when he ascends into heaven, and then Acts chapter 2 is when the disciples on the day of Pentecost very famously are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. We'll read the story. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they've already been breathed on and told to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive their salvation in John chapter 20. Now Jesus has ascended into heaven. Now he says, I'm going to send you the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the filling of the Holy Spirit. So there's a second, uh, and, and let me say this, less significant experience with God. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Salvation is more important. Salvation is what unites all of us. Salvation is, is the, the thing that Jesus came to die for. Uh, that we could receive salvation, that our, we would not have to pay the penalty for our sins. But there's another experience that God has for his followers where he baptizes, where he fills them with the Holy Spirit. And we see here in, in Acts chapter 2, they immediately begin to speak in other tongues. Um, and we see this throughout the book of Acts. Just to give you two other examples, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter is, has been sent through a vision to meet with the Roman centurion, with a Gentile. Up until this point, uh, the gospel has been preserved for Jews. Jesus had been preserved for Jews. Uh, and, and in Acts chapter 10, God makes a very clear statement that I'm not just in it for the Jews. Yes, the Jews are my chosen people. Yes, they're the ones that I chose to bring Christ through. But, but I've got a bigger purpose in, in, than just saving the Jews. And so he sends Peter, the, the foremost Christian, the foremost disciple at this point in time, to this Roman centurion, this God-fearing man who, who wanted to serve God but who didn't yet know Christ. And so Peter goes to him and begins to tell him about Jesus and tell his family about Jesus and his servants about Jesus. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, says, While Peter was still speaking this word, these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so we see here that, that the Gentiles received salvation and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. 
uh, and, and it was so significant that they spoke in other tongues because the other people with Peter, the other Jews with Peter, these other Jewish Christians said, wow, even the Gentiles had the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't just for us. Verse 47, surely Peter, or Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So we, we see, again, the speaking in tongues is the initial evidence, and that's the phrase that we would use. The initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to, to speak in tongues. I'll give you one more example in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, uh, story of Paul. So basically the first half of Acts Peter is the primary individual advancing the gospel, and then there's kind of this transition that takes place, and Paul takes the gospel much further than Peter did. And so we've seen Peter have his experience with, with sharing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now we see Paul in, verse nine, in chapter 19, verse 1. says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Ephesus was a town in what is today modern-day Turkey says, there he found some disciples, some followers of Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, which is a baptism, Paul says in verse four, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So we see these people who, who were believers. They were disciples, it says. Uh, they were followers uh, of the message that Jesus is coming, and we've got to repent because Jesus is coming. But they had not yet had the second experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they begin to speak in other tongues. And so scripturally, we, we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Um, on verse 7, Acts chapter 19 says there was about 12 men in all. So each of these 12 men received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. So the next two questions I want to put together for you because they, they kind of run in the same direction. The first question is this, do people at City Church speak in tongues slash have a prayer language? Uh, and the next one is this church believes in the Holy Spirit but doesn't seem to actively practice it. Why? Example, speaking in tongues, laying on of hands, and praying. Um, so, so to that first question, do people at City Church have a prayer language they believe in speaking in tongues? Uh, the answer to that is yes. Um, now, that does not mean everybody at City Church believes this or practices this. Uh, I can tell you for sure that that's not the case. Um, but as far as what does our church believe, we do believe in, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We do believe in speaking in tongues. Um, I can tell you, for me, uh, there's not a Sunday where I take this stage and I, I take this pulpit and, and stand up here and preach God's word where I have not spent some time praying in the Holy Spirit. And if, if you're not familiar with that, what does that mean? So basically, I, I have this gift of speaking in tongues, um, which I believe that anyone who's baptized in the Holy Spirit receives. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which we don't really have time to get into today, but 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, um, you edify yourself, you build yourself up. It's, it's a gift that God gives us uh, where we're not talking to others. It says we don't speak to man, but to God. So it's between me and God. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what, what God's praying through me, but God knows what needs to be prayed that day. God knows which person is going to be here who, who, who's dealing with which struggle. God knows what, what challenges may arise in that service. God knows so much that I could never know. And so instead of just praying the things that I know, which I do, I pray in English too. I'm not just praying in the Holy Spirit, but I always take, sometimes it's 10 seconds, sometimes it's five minutes, but, but there's always a moment where I step aside and, and I pray in the Holy Spirit before I take this stage because I know that there are things that I could never foresee. And, and I want to ask God to, to build me up, to strengthen me, to, to make me my strongest possible uh, believer, the strongest possible follower of him before I take this responsibility to preach his word to God's people. Uh, so, so yes, absolutely, we believe in it. And so the second question, uh, I can't read between the lines, but I'm going to do my best to, to read into this question. Uh, because the second question says, how come we say, City Church says that they believe in the Holy Spirit, but they don't seem to actively practice it? Example, speaking in tongues, laying on of hands, and praying. Um, 
so, so my guess is this person comes from a more Pentecostal or charismatic background, and, and they come from a background where, like me probably, when, when I grew up, uh, every Sunday in church there would be somebody who would stand up and who would speak in tongues, and then there would be somebody else who would stand up, and they would give what's called an interpretation to that tongue, and it would essentially be a, a prophecy. It would be a word from God for the church. Uh, and so if you've come from a, a spirit-filled, quote-unquote, background, uh, and you come here, and you don't see people standing up and speaking in tongues on Sunday morning, then you're like, well, how come we don't do that? It's a good question. Uh, why, why do we not practice that? Well, well, let me step back from that question and say this. Just because we don't practice uh, maybe in the same way as another church certainly doesn't mean that we don't practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I know that for myself, like I said, I, I pray in the Spirit every Sunday. I know that all of our elders are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I know at least a couple of them are very active in, in their prayer language. In, in using that, I know that we've had times where God has spoken a word uh, not just through tongues, but other ways that God speaks through, through his people um, into our church. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of what I would consider a, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, there's nine spiritual gifts. And one of those spiritual gifts is prophecy. One of them is what it calls a word of wisdom. And one is what is called a word of knowledge. Um, so here's, here's one way that a word of knowledge came to my life that was super impactful. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was wrestling uh, excuse me, I was a sophomore in high school. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was wrestling with, with a call to ministry. Am I supposed to be a pastor? And, and I, I knew that God had some sort of a call on my life, but I really wanted to be a pastor or a youth pastor, and I had kind of this warped picture of who God was, and so I thought that he was going to make me be a missionary and go somewhere where I hated all the food to prove how much I loved him, and then one day I could be a pastor like I really wanted to. And so I was, I was kind of praying through this, and I hadn't told anybody this. I, I had one friend named Jennifer who I had told this, who, who went to another church, didn't know anybody at my church, and I'd kind of confided this in her, but I hadn't talked to anybody else. And so one Sunday night, uh, my pastor's wife, her name was Lori, uh, Laura, excuse me, Miss Laura comes up to me before church and she, she says, God wants you to know that the thing that you're praying for, he wants you to have it. That's all she said. She didn't know anything else. She, she didn't go into any detail. That, that was it. But for me in that moment, that was the confirmation of my call to ministry. That was the confirmation that one day I would stand up here and do this, that I would be a pastor. And so she had a word of, of knowledge. She knew that through the Holy Spirit, that I was praying for something, I was seeking God for something, uh, and that God wanted me to have that thing that I was seeking him for. Um, and so we've had people uh, in our church who have used gifts similar to that. I'll tell you one, Dan Harris uh, can flow uh, in, in that particular gift at times where God can speak through him into somebody's life. Um, I've seen this thing abused, and here's the danger, right? Because I also, I, I remember uh, when I was this a junior in high school, um, there was a girl in our youth ministry named Corey, and me and Corey just butted heads on everything. Like, we just, I don't know, there's just people where you just don't get along with them. Corey was that girl that I didn't get along with, right? And so this lady comes up to me at church, uh, a mother of another friend of ours, uh, and she says, Troy, I just want you to know, God's telling you you need to keep yourself pure because you're going to marry Corey, and I know that Corey's keeping herself pure. Uh, and I was like, oh, heck no. Um, this will not happen. I rebuke that. Get behind me, Satan. Um, and, and so, of course, word got out in the youth ministry. Uh, and so all of our friends were like, oh, Troy and Corey are going to get married. So we both hated that because she hated me as much as I hated her. Um, and, and the irony is we ended up later on, like in college, we actually became really good friends. But we never dated, never had any interest. She's married, has kids. Um, I'm married, have kids. Clearly that was not a word from God, right? Um, and so you've got to be really careful because I've seen people that somebody spoke a prophecy through um, into somebody's life, and people take that as gospel. They take that as the word of God. And if that's not truly from God, you can really mess somebody's life up. So God's word tells us to test the prophets. In other words, if I stand up here and I say that God told me to say this to you, that's not the same as the word of God. That's not the same as the Bible. The Bible is always going to stand ab above the gifts because we're human and we can miss it. And that doesn't mean that that person never was used by God or that person was satanic or evil. It just means that they were off, 
right? Like they had this kind of sweet idea that, oh man, how cool would it be if Troy and Corey got married and it wasn't a God thing. Um, and thankfully it wasn't because uh, God had something much better for me in my opinion. And, and so we've got to be really, really careful. I'm super careful before I throw the God card out there because I've seen this abused. Um, I, I'm very, very hesitant to ever be out. You know what? God told me to say this. Most of the time, if I feel an inclination from God, I'm not going to attach the God card to it. I'm just going to ask a question or, or, or start to have a conversation or say, what, what do you think about this? And if it's God, it's going to resonate with that person. I mean, and if it's not God, then I haven't done any damage by attaching his name to it. So some people may say, well, hey, you're just not confident enough. And maybe that's the case. But, but once you've seen stuff abused like this, you want to be very hesitant to just go, throwing God's name on something that may or may not actually be from him. So, so to go back to the question, why don't we stand up and give a word in tongues and, and then an interpretation in tongues? When Jason Delgado started this church, the, the man who started this church, he's a third-generation spirit-filled minister. Um, but he had a vision that God was calling him to start a church where people from all denominations could come in and, and connect and be a part of, of a church family together. And slowly, through small groups, through relationships, through discipleship, he'd be able to introduce some of those people to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And instead of flying that flag and it being the first thing that we do, and every Sunday we're, we're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or every Sunday we're, we're speaking in tongues, he said, you know what, there's some people that are never going to go to a church that speaks in tongues. There's some of you in this room, if we spoke in tongues the first Sunday you came here, you would have never came back, right? You know who you are. Like, give it a bad peace out. Thanks for, you know... Opening your doors to us, good luck. We're going to find another church home. Um, and so that's not our first step. That's not our first approach. We've got a different approach. But I know that there are people in this room and in this church of Baptist background, Catholic background, Methodist background, multiple other backgrounds who, if you asked them, they probably would tell you, hey, if they spoke in tongues the first Sunday I was here, I would have been gone. But you know what? I've taken that step and I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I had time to process it. I had time to learn about it. I had time to discover what it truly was, and I saw that it could be for me, and I saw the value of it. I saw that it didn't have to be weird. It didn't have to be creepy. It didn't have to freak somebody out, and, and so they were able to take that step. So here's, here's what I'll say. We don't believe this is the only way to do church. We don't have a problem with people who, who in the spirit-filled movement, that that is their approach, and that is their stance. But we believe that God has, has set us on a course to reach maybe some different people than those churches will ever reach. And we believe that this is our DNA, this is our design, this is our imprint from God. If, if you study the New Testament, you see one church specifically where the, the gifts of the Spirit were very, very prevalent, very prominent, the Church of Corinthians. Man, they were using the gifts of the Spirit in their services constantly. This was what they were about. And then you see a lot of other churches where it doesn't even come up. Now, does that mean that they didn't use, that they didn't practice the Holy Spirit? No. But it probably means that it wasn't as forefront in their imprint as it was at the church in Corinth. And, and so I think that there's a diversity, even in the New Testament, of the way that, that God called different churches to walk in this and to exercise this. So that's why you don't walk in on Sunday morning and, and somebody stands up. I remember it, man, uh, Westwood Christian Assembly in West Seattle, Washington. Uh, I remember growing up, there was a, the, I could tell you exactly where the person sat that gave the word in tongues every week and exactly where the person sat who, who gave the interpretation every week. And the guy who gave the interpretation, he would always stand up and always start out this, yay, my children. And, and for us, and, and I don't mean to mock that because I believe it's a spiritual gift. I believe that God was speaking. But when you're 10 years old and the guy with the old guy with the deep voice stands up and every Sunday he's going to say, yay, my children. Like, did we mock him? Yes, we did. Okay. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's like, I'm not proud of it, but I'm being real. Okay. Uh, because we didn't understand it. There was no teaching on it. We just did it. And so we believe that, that there's a different way than just practicing this First thing, boom, right in front of everybody's face. Again, that's not to put any church down that, that God's called them to operate that way. That's not the way God's called City Church to operate. Uh, for some of you, man, you need that in your church. You feel like, you know what, man, gifts of tongues and interpretation, that's the way that God moves. And if I don't have that, I'm not going to be happy. And, and if that's you, man, let me know, and, and we'll help you find a church that operates in that. Because there are churches in DeSoto County like that. Um, we believe that God has created us and set us on a different course. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that we deny the power of those gifts. That doesn't mean that we don't believe those gifts have a place and a purpose. We just believe for us that, per- that place and that purpose is not on Sunday morning. Uh, that, that's not the, ex- the way that we express and operate in those gifts. It doesn't mean that we deny the gifts, and it doesn't mean we don't practice them. Now, the, the second part of this question says, why don't we lay on hands or pray? I don't know who asked this question, but I, I would challenge you on that because we do. Um, and maybe you don't see it, but we absolutely believe in the laying on of hands. Man, if somebody's sick, we anoint with oil, we lay hands on, and we believe God for, for healing. Uh, we, we absolutely believe in prayer, and so I don't know exactly what the, the intention behind that question was or what that person was actually asking. And if you're here, feel free to text in more detail, and, and maybe I can speak more detail to it. But we, we absolutely believe those things and practice those things at City Church. Um, so hopefully that helps a little bit. Next question, um, is it possible to lose the gift of speaking in tongues? It's a really interesting one. I've never gotten this one before. Is it possible to lose the gift of speaking in tongues? And so the Bible does not explicitly say. I can't go to to our our number one principle. When the Bible speaks clearly, we'll speak clearly on this one. So I want to turn to a little bit of biblical principle that hopefully will shine some light for us. Um, The parable of the talents. There's this master representative of God who's going out of town and he's got three servants and he gives one servant five talents which a talent was was an amount of money actually and he gives one servant two talents and he gives one servant one talent and he goes away for a long period of time and after a long time he comes back and he calls his servants in to give an account what did you do with what I've invested in you what have you done with what was given to you? So the guy who had five talents comes back and he says, hey, I worked hard. I was faithful with the five talents and I was able to make five more. So here's 10 talents. And the guy who had two talents comes in and says, hey, I worked hard and I was faithful with what you gave me uh, and I doubled it. I've got four talents. And the guy who got one talent said, well, hey, I was afraid that something bad would happen and I would lose your talent. So I went and I buried it in the backyard. So here's the one talent. And so what does the master representative of God do? He takes the one talent from the man who did nothing with it And he gives it to the one who had the five, who now has ten. And and, and he gives us this principle. Basically, the principle is the the use it or lose it principle in Scripture. That that if God invests something in us, if God gives us something and we sit on it, we squander it, we're not faithful with it, whether that be an amount of money, whether that be an opportunity to, to spread the gospel, whether that be a spiritual gift, whether that be, man, maybe you've got a great singing voice, uh, whatever it might be, that Spiritual principle is if we don't use that thing for the kingdom of God, we're jeopardizing that we're going to lose it. So, can you lose the gift of speaking in tongues? Maybe. Second uh, Timothy 1.6, Paul's writing to Timothy, uh, and he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, can I prove to you that this is the gift of speaking in tongues? No. I believe it's the gift of speaking in tongues for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is he says it's in you through the laying on of my hands. And, and scripturally, a lot of times when somebody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with this prayer language, it, it came through the laying on of hands. Secondly, almost any time where, where it says the gift of God in the New Testament, it, it is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So my, my strong inclination here is Paul is telling Timothy, fan into flame, the ability to speak in tongues. In other words, don't, don't let it lie dormant. Don't squander it. Don't, don't think that, hey, well, just because I received this in the supernatural experience with God, that I'm going to continue to have this whenever I want it if you don't use it. So my better answer to this question would, rather than saying that you can lose it, I would say you can definitely go dormant. I know people who have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then never spoke in tongues for five years, and then they wanted to, and... I don't remember how to do this. I can't find, I can't tap into it. And they needed to have another experience with God. Which is why I would say it's really important for us to constantly be encountering God. To constantly be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Which may sound funny to you, but that's exactly what we see in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, we just read it. The, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They begin to speak in tongues. And then Acts chapter 4, just a couple chapters later, probably just a few months later, in verse 31 it says this. says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they were already baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now they were filled again. God showed up in a supernatural way again. Uh, so I think it's important for those of us who, who have experienced this to not just 
check it off the box, right? It's not, it's not like necessarily like getting baptized in water, where, hey, I got baptized in water once, and I celebrated it, and cool, I got baptized in water, and now that's a, that's a point behind me. It's, baptism of the Holy Spirit is an entry point into a deeper connection with God. It's an entry point into to hearing his voice more clearly and to being used by him in a, in a new and more powerful way. And we need to constantly be, be exercising that, constantly using that. Um, next question. Is speaking in tongues for everyone? Is speaking in tongues for everyone? Now, this is definitely one of the more controversial questions in the church community because there's basically three or four answers, right? So you've got this group. You've got one group, what we call cessationists, and they believe that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in, Acts chapter, or in 1 Corinthians 12, specifically the gift of speaking in tongues, that they've, they've ceased, that they no longer exist, that God did that for a time period, and that the time period has passed. And, and so the, they would say that the, the gift of speaking in tongues is for nobody in our generation. Uh, then, then you've got other groups. Uh, in fact, the Bible college that I went to, Christian Missionary Alliance, they would fall into this group. They would say that it's for some people, that uh, th- there are those who have the gift of speaking in tongues, and there are those who don't. Um, and it's probably a small percentage of those who do. But for those who do, we, we honor that, and you can practice that. But we don't teach on it or, or really emphasize it because we don't believe it's for many. Then there are those who believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for anybody. Um, I would say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for anybody who's a Christian. That, that's the prerequisite. Uh, speaking in tongues is for anybody who's a Christian. You've got to first believe in God. I believe it's available for all believers. Doesn't mean everybody has to do it. Doesn't, certainly doesn't believe everybody will take this step. Uh, but I do believe that it's available to any of us. Acts chapter 2. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit um, just that day. And he's out preaching in the street. 3,000 people are going to get saved. And in his message, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, he says this. says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, everybody, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why do they even have the open door to preach? because they'd been speaking in tongues, right? And they're saying, what is going on? These guys are drunk, something crazy going on. And so it's given them this open door for Peter to step in and say, no, we're not drunk. God's done something supernatural in us. God's done something, he's given us a gift. And so he's speaking of this gift. Verse 39, he says, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for any Christian. Uh, I know many Christians who have not taken this step. I know many Christians who have died and gone on to the next life without taking this step. So I'm certainly not saying it's a necessity, and I'm certainly not saying that you need to do this to to go to heaven. There are those who teach that, and I strongly disagree with that. Absolutely 100% disagree with that. That that is not scriptural. Uh, But I do believe that it's available to all believers. Um, About a year and a half ago, we did a series called Ghost Stories. Uh, and we spent nine weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, nine weeks talking about what, what going really in depth into this topic. And so if I'm not going to be able to answer every question that you might have or hit every angle of this today, um, but I encourage you to check out those podcasts. If this is something uh, that, that you find important, if it's something that you're wrestling with or dealing with, um, there's three weeks that are on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Those don't necessarily pertain to what we're talking about today, so you can cut that down to six messages. Uh, but the last one uh, was a Q&A that we did. Or it was a panel where we had uh, myself and, and four others uh, who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit who shared their experience. Uh, and so I would, that's where I would start. If you're not sure about this, if you're kind of wrestling with this, and, man, God may be leading you this direction, but you're not sure about it, I'd start with that panel discussion. Go to citychurchob.com, go back... Um, End of October or beginning of November. I think it was the beginning of November of 2014 uh, for that message. Um, but check that out. Uh, you'll hear Leonard and Kim uh, and, and a couple others. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think Jimmy. Uh, no, just kidding. He just looked at me like I was crazy. Not Jimmy. Uh, so, yeah. So we had a panel of four who shared their experience. Kenneth, correct. Um, so you can definitely check that out. Um, so I do believe that, that speaking in tongues is available to everybody. Um, and, and here's another set, set aside scriptural reasoning, just to go to the logical. Um, speaking in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14 teaches us 
edifies the believer, builds up the believer. All the other gifts build up the church. Speaking in tongues builds up the believer. So I don't believe that God would give me a gift to build myself up, to make myself stronger, and say that you can't have it. Well, I'm going to let him be stronger, but I'm going to I'm going to keep this from you. Now, for the other gifts that are to build up the church, he says, hey, there's a diversity of gifts. And so, to one, I'm going to give this, and to one, I'm going to give that. And not everybody who has the gift of speaking in tongues is ever going to stand up in a service and give a word through tongues that somebody else would have an interpretation of. Uh, but But everybody who receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit has that prayer language to edify themselves, to build themselves up, to strengthen themselves. And so I don't think that, that God is someone who says, you can build yourself up, but you can't. So that's another reason why I do believe that it's for everybody. Um, next question is a really good one. How do I know I'm ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do I know I'm ready? Um, well, I got three questions for you to ask. Uh, Number one, are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, you're not ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You got to take that step first. Uh, and, and sometimes in Scripture, we see those two things coming almost simultaneously. Sometimes there's a gap in between. Uh, but, but the first thing you got to do is you got to get right with God. You need to repent, uh, make Jesus Lord of your life. Second question is, do you want everything that God has for you? Um, do, you do you want God's best? See, there's many of us that we call ourselves a Christian, but really, we just don't want to go to hell. Like, really what it boils down to. I just want fire insurance. I just don't want to spend my eternity there. Uh, and, and so just just being real, that, that's the approach a, a lot of people take. If that's you, then no, you're not ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because Jesus isn't really Lord of your life. Um, so you, you've got to want everything that God has for you. You've got to say, you know what, not my will, God, but yours be done. Uh, I want your greatest in my life. And then my third question would be, are you willing to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, some people will be like, well, how come this person over here from this particular denomination, they never got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and look at how incredibly God used them. They didn't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and, and I get that argument. Uh, here, here's what I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes you to the next level in your walk with him. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit are more spiritual than those who aren't. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that because you're, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you're more spiritual than somebody over here who doesn't have it. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means you've taken the next step. You, you've gone from an 8 to a 9, or you've gone from a 2 to a 3, or you've, you've gone up a, a notch, wherever that might be in your walk with God. It's going to empower you to serve God uh, to, to a new level, to a new degree. And so if you're willing to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, you are a Christian, and you want everything that God has for you, then I'd say you're ready. Um, there, there's no magical time. There's no spiritual formula that I can tell you. Once you've been saved for X amount of time or once you've memorized so many scriptures or once you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that's one thing people are like, well, I just really want to understand it before I take this step. Nobody in this room understood salvation before you got saved, Right? Nobody. I still don't understand the, the mysteries of salvation, how God could leave heaven and die for me. There's parts of that I would never wrap my brain around. But I'm glad I didn't have to understand it to receive it. Uh, you're not going to understand everything that there is about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I still don't. In fact, yesterday my wife and I were driving back from Jackson, Mississippi. I had a class yesterday in Jackson on leadership skills. And uh, we were driving back and we were talking about this. And, and my wife asked me a question. She said, well, how come it has to be? Uh, that, that you receive the Holy Spirit in salvation, but you receive the baptism separate. How come it has to be different? You know what I told her? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why God set it up that way. All I know is scripturally he did. I can't tell you why he felt that this was necessary. I don't, I don't know why he felt that this was the best pattern, but, but I know it's the way that it is in scripture. And, and if that's the way that it is in scripture, then that's what we want to teach. That's what we're going to believe. Um, and don't think that my wife is like doubting on this. My wife is, she got filled with the Holy Spirit actually on a mission trip when she was in high school. She went to England um, and her baptism in the Holy Spirit testimony is a lot different than mine. She was by herself out in a field in England somewhere just praying and, and seeking God for his best that he would use her in a mighty way on her trip. And she was baptized in the Holy Spirit by herself. I did it at a service, a youth rally when I was in eighth grade, and I had people laying hands on me and praying, and other people were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the same time. So it's opposite, like opposite ends of the world, uh, apart from that, that, that we got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the final question is this, is how can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
Somebody sent this in, and I think it's a great question. And maybe you are wrestling with that today. Maybe you're hearing me talk about it, and you're like, man, I want this. Why wouldn't I want everything that God has for me? Or, or, or maybe this is your first introduction to this topic, and you're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm like, I'm just getting to the point where I can accept the fact that my pastor speaks in tongues, and that's as far as it's going to go for me today. And if that's as far as it's going to go for you today, I'm totally cool with that. Because we don't believe that we've got to take every step that God has for us right now. I want to take them as quickly as possible. I want to have a sense of spiritual urgency, but I also understand following Jesus is a process. Uh, and, and we're going to give some time and give some room for that process. So, so in fact, I talked to somebody this week, and, and he brought up the ghost story series a year and a half ago. And he said, I remember a year and a half ago, you said, why wouldn't you want everything that God has for you? And he said, and, and so he was debating, you know what, I think I may be ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so God's been working on him in that for a year and a half. And so there may be some of you in this room today, you're not getting baptized in the Holy Spirit today. That's not for you. You are not ready, and that's okay. But when that, that day comes, because I think it is for all of us, um, how do you do it? What, what are the steps? Well, first of all, remember this. This is so important. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is where Jesus really, really kind of gives the, the purpose statement for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he says this in Acts 1.8. He says, you'll receive power. Everybody say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit that he's referring to, he says you're going to receive power to witness. So the most important reason to get baptized in the Holy Spirit is you've got people who are lost in your life that you've not figured out how to share Jesus with you, that you haven't had the ability to articulate it, to speak it in such a way that they'd respond to it. So the most important reason is not speaking in tongues. And I know most of our, our ta- talk today is focused on speaking in tongues because I'm answering the questions that got sent in. And so those are the questions that got sent in. So we focus on speaking in tongues, but speaking in tongues is not the most important reason to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a side bonus and it's a good one. And I think it's important for all of us to have that ability to build ourselves up. But the most important reason to get baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you would walk in the power of God to be his witness at your workplace, in your family, at your school. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was in eighth grade. It was September 19th, 1994. And and up to that point, I had been homeschooled the first seven years. And I went to public school for the first time in eighth grade. And I started meeting all these people. They weren't Christians. They were far from God. I went to school in Seattle, Washington. Seattle has about a 3% of the population that attends church. That's not even the percent that knows Jesus. That's the percent that goes to church. Totally different part of the country than here in, in every way. And so I started making all these friends by the grace of God because I was a total loser. But I started making all these friends, and I knew, man, they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. And, and I wanted to tell them so bad. But I couldn't even tell them that I went to church. I was so worried about what they would think. I couldn't even say, man, you should come check out my youth group sometime. I I wanted to, but I couldn't. And so when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I I looked at, there was this guy in my youth ministry. His name was Gary Broderick, and Gary's a pastor today. But Gary was 19. He was one of our youth leaders, and he had been, he had lived on the streets. He'd been a heroin addict. He had been kind of all the way out there in the world. And God got a hold of him, and he got saved, and and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Gary was that guy on youth trips that you didn't want to be with because you're in McDonald's ordering food, and he's witnessing to the person behind the counter, right? And I hated Gary for that because I'm so embarrassing to hang out with him. But I remember looking at him and being like, I've been saved my whole life. This dude just came to know Jesus six months ago, and he's a witnessing machine. And I remember, why, why can he do that? And I remember God just through his Holy Spirit just put his finger on it. Gary's received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so September 19th, 1994, I'd resisted it my whole life. I grew up, my parents, my grandparents were Assemblies of God pastors who believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the the core of their being. And they would pay every summer for us to go to summer camp. And we'd go to summer camp and we'd come home. And the first question they would ask us was, did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, Grandma. Like, I wasn't going to do it, right? Like, I was, like, resisting it and, and... I got baptized in water because my parents made me. I was like, I'm not getting baptized in the Holy Spirit for anybody else. But finally that night I knew 
if I'm going to be able to be used by God to, to witness to my friends, I got to take this step. And so I took that step. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And really long story short, within a month, I had led nine of my friends to Christ. Not because of me, but because of this new power to witness that God had placed in me. Everything about me changed that day. I would not be up here today if it hadn't been for my baptism of the Holy Spirit testimony. That doesn't mean nobody can ever become a pastor without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It just means I would have never became a Baptist pastor without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was terrified. I couldn't even give a report in class in front of everybody without freaking out. And that moment, God stepped in and he began to fix some stuff that, that had been destroyed in me restored some stuff in my self-esteem and my confidence. And that doesn't happen for everybody. I don't want to like make my story normative. A lot of you guys don't have the issues that I had, so you don't need that necessarily. But I can tell you this, I've never met anybody who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit who had a, a supernatural encounter with God who didn't then have a greater ability to witness. I just never met that person. And so if you're here today, and you have that frustration. How do I tell my coworker about Jesus? How do I tell my, my niece about Jesus? How do I tell whoever that person may be about Jesus? If you not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's the first place I'll point you. Because he's going to empower you to be his witness in a new, in a greater, in a deeper way. So, how do you do it? Uh, number one, remember the reason. Keep your, the, the reasoning right. So, then I'm going to give you five very quick things as we wrap up today. Number one. Believe that God wants you to have power to live for him. God wants you to have greater power. He wants you to have a greater ability to tap into to who he is and what he has for you. Number two, uh, have someone who has the baptism of the Holy Spirit lay hands on you. Again, this is not required. There's times in scripture where people received it without somebody laying hands on them. And there's times in scripture where they did. I, I just, to me, it's going to increase your confidence man, having somebody who's, who's walking through this with you. But again, my wife received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a field. I know somebody who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a shower. I hope nobody was laying hands on them then. Uh, I, I know somebody who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, in, in their living room by themselves. I know somebody who received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their car. You don't have to do this, but but I think it's, it's going to help. Uh, so recommended, not required. Number three, ask, seek, knock. Luke 11, 9 through 13, Jesus is talking. He says, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Very famous statement of Jesus, right? Well, let me give you the context of that statement. He says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, verse 13, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open, he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, I know some people that all they had to do was ask and they received. I was one of those people for whatever reason, it was about four seconds from the time that they laid hands on me to the time that I was speaking in tongues. My, my youth pastor who prayed for me, he said, I've never seen anybody receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so quickly. It was my night. Like it was a God-ordained moment for me. I know other people who, who prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they didn't begin to speak in tongues until like three months later. There, there was a process. They had to seek and find. I, I know other people who, man, they had to just keep on knocking had to keep on knocking. So I can't promise you that the moment that you ask for it, you're, you're going to receive that. Some people, it happens differently, whether that's because of some baggage in our past or some hangups uh, or some unbelief or, or just the enemy's resistance. I, I can't tell you all the reasons, but sometimes it'll be immediate. Sometimes it won't. Be willing to to say, you know what? I, I want this bad enough that even if I don't receive immediately, I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on pressing. I'm going to keep on trusting that God's promise is he's going to give good gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Number four, believe that you've received. Uh, James 1, 6 and 7 says, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. So man, when you begin to ask God, believe that you've received, even though you may not immediately speak in tongues, even though you may not immediately have a supernatural feeling. Some people have this, this overwhelming emotion. Some people don't feel a thing. 
It's not about an emotion. It's not about a feeling. It's about our faith. It's about stepping out and believing that God's going to do something. So believe that you received. And then finally, I would say this, speak out. The Holy Spirit, when he baptized you, he's going to touch you and he's going to deposit a prayer language in you. Now that language might be a, a language spoken in another country. It might be a language of angels. It might be a language that God created just for you. I don't know. My language sounds kind of Asian. I think one day I'm going to find out what country it's from, but I, I don't know what my tongue is. Um, but he's going to give you a language, and you're going to be able. Sometimes people start speaking out, and they got like two syllables. Speak out those two syllables, and the enemy's going to lie and tell you, this is nonsense. You're making this up. This isn't really you, or this is, or this is you. It's not God. Don't listen to that lie. Just be obedient. Begin speaking out what you've got. And many times it's almost like a cork. Like you speak out those first couple syllables and then it's just going to come out. For some people, there may only be a few syllables at first. I've heard somebody compare it to almost being like a baby. When a baby first starts to talk, he only knows a few words. But over time, that language is going to grow and expand as you use it more and more. Um, But I encourage everybody. Let me just say this. Don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit because I had a cool testimony about it. Don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit because there's other people that get baptized in the Holy Spirit today or or whenever. Pray this through and and ask God, God, is this really for me? If you're not sure, if you don't see it in Scripture, if I haven't convinced you with Scripture, go before God and ask Him. Because I believe if you'll honestly ask Him, if you'll honestly open the door and say, God, I want everything you have for me, I believe He's going to give you a peace that this is for you. And once you get to that point, take these steps. Believe that he wants you to have his very best. He wants you to have power to serve him. Have somebody who, who has received it begin to, to lay hands on you and pray over you. Ask, seek, and knock. Believe you receive and speak out. And God will do something incredible in your life. So here's what we're going to do as we wrap up today. We're, we're going to spend a few more moments in, in worship. Um, but I want to make the opportunity for those to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. So... If, if you want to take this step, and there might not be anybody, there might be 20 people, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're prepared for anything. Leonard, would you head over to the door for me right here? We're going to have some prayer partners in this back room in our office, just to where you're not on display. You don't have to feel like everybody's watching me. Our prayer partners have all taken this step and, and are believing for this for you. Um, but if you would want to take this step while we're worshiping, in fact, if you bring the lights down, Uh, You can slip out from your seat. Come join us over here in this back room. I'll be in here as well. We're going to pray and believe God to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're not ready for that step or you've already received it, that's fine. You don't have to take that. Uh, But we're going to worship. And what I would ask you to do is that you would just give your heart to Jesus today. Man, that you would ask God, give me everything that you've got. I want everything that you have for me. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to move in your life in a new in a deeper way. Um, And if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I ask that you just be praying for those who choose to take this step. So would you stand up for me? We're going to close in in just a couple of songs. We'll be done very shortly. Tell you what, let's slip up our hands. Let's worship.